and our scripture comes from Romans 16, 3 through 5. Great Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. This is the word of the Lord. So, yeah, good to be up here. Hope you guys are ready. If you couldn't tell who we're going to be looking at today, you'll find out in a minute. We're in, and if you're just joining us, maybe you're just walked in for the first time. We're in a series right now, Humans of the Bible. Nope, not there. Sometimes it's behind me, sometimes it isn't. And it's been an interesting series. And uh, just looking at kind of uh, something that Lisa mentioned, just this looking at how God uses us where we are. That's kind of a, the idea of this series. We're looking at humans of the Bible because actually the Bible is filled with humans, uh, people who actually lived and, and just had their favorite things and things that they liked to do, things that they hated to do. They were just people, just humans that God used in mighty ways. And we've been looking at the connection between God's divinity and how he used them. And today we're going to see, uh, well, we're going to be looking at actually two Priscilla and Aquila, uh, and just how God is going to work through them and how the and through their surrender to God. Uh, but originally, my plan was uh, to look at just at uh, Priscilla or Prisca. Uh, those are kind of interchanged depending on which text you read when they're mentioned. Although the name is probably Prisca, that was kind of the the formal name, and Priscilla is kind of the nickname uh, version of that. And so uh, I might interchange. I don't know. I think I lean towards Priscilla for some reason, uh, but just so you know, it's the same person. They're not different people. And uh, some of you might be really familiar with Priscilla. Uh, she certainly had a significant role in the early church, and is this kind of really mighty woman of God. And as we're going to see, uh, as we look at uh, their lives, uh, looking at especially at hers, uh, just a lot of the great things that she did for the church. Uh, but in looking at all six times that uh, she's mentioned in the New Testament, uh, it felt like you have you have to notice it ha it's definitely noteworthy that she's never mentioned alone. Uh, in other women are mentioned alone, so it's not just a matter of the writers are like, well, we can't mention a woman without her husband. Uh, I don't think that was the case. In fact, often uh, husbands are not, uh, or wives and husbands are not mentioned in bo going both ways. For instance, uh, Peter had a wife. We know, but does anybody know what his wife's name was? Yeah, no, no, we don't know what his name was it's not said it's not mentioned even though uh, I mean I'm sure that she was also a part so there's something really noteworthy that they are always mentioned together in every single occasion um, something I think again that we should maybe just want to take notice of why that is uh, which is why we're going to be looking at them uh, together as husband and wife as a power couple uh, I've that's two times I heard somebody mention that today uh, my wife was the first so I'll go ahead and throw that in. They are certainly a Christian power couple in, in kind of the foundation of the early church. Uh, in fact, the story of Priscilla and Aquila is as much a story of devoted service and ministry in the early church, which is going to be our main focus today, 
to apply to our lives today, but it's also a story of, and an example of a beautiful unity in marriage. And I think I just want to throw that out. So as we're going through all the things that they do and going through their life and the, the bits that we know about them anyway, I want to just kind of put that in your mind uh, and just this kind of, it certainly challenged me as a, as a married man uh, to think about, man, that's something that I want to aim for, uh, that everything I'm doing, every aspect of my life, all of whether it's my ministry or my career, everything, that I would be kind of uni- like unified and in unity with my wife and all of those things as we see with these two. So just kind of put that in your mind as we're going through this. But uh, what, we, what they're going to teach us through their example, just so you don't kind of check out if you're not married, uh, it applies to everyone. Everybody can be living the way that they're living, showing the character traits that they're going to show us and how to be uh, just effective in our ministry towards the Lord, whether you're married or not. Now, maybe you're thinking, Priscilla and Aquila, who? I have no idea who you're talking about. And that could be the case. Uh, They're only mentioned a few times, actually, or I I would say relatively a lot, considering um, compared to others that are just mentioned in the Bible. Uh, But it's usually just in the greetings, the final greetings that we saw here in Romans. That's just the kind of Paul like saying, hey, don't say hi to this person, this person. Um, And they're also mentioned in Acts 18, which we'll look at. Uh, But it also feels like it's just in passing. Uh, Certainly, if you're just reading through a large amount of text or reading through the end, we tend to go a little bit faster when we get to the the final greetings and we don't really maybe pay much attention. Uh, So you may not have really shown much interest in them, maybe never even noticed them, or maybe, again, you just have no idea who they are at all. So with that in mind, I think it's good to just start with maybe an introduction to who they were and kind of introduce you to our two humans that we'll be looking at today, Priscilla and Aquila. So altogether, they're mentioned six times in the New Testament, and that's in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, and 2 Timothy, in the final greetings, and then, as I mentioned, three times in Acts 18. And in each of these, we're given just kind of some, merely just bits and pieces uh, about them. Uh, Certainly, there's not like a huge narrative ever, because it's always just in this kind of passing mention. Uh, So we don't, only bits and pieces of who they are and what they've accomplished, but from those pieces, we are definitely given an, a really unique glimpse and view into ministry in the first century, what it looked like to do ministry during that time. And we can learn a great deal from them, as, and I hope that this will be the takeaway for you guys, and what it means to have just devoted service to the gospel. Certainly we see that in their example. Let's look at the first if you're going through the Bible anyway, uh, the first mention that you would find of them, if you started at the beginning and went through, uh, and that's in Acts 18, 1 through 4. Acts 18, 1 through 4. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So just some bits and pieces, but there's actually quite a lot that we can take from that, and we can kind of start to build a bit of context and a rough timeline around their life, uh, especially tying this in with the other mentions that they have. And I just want to kind of build this image for you, and then we'll get into kind of what we want to look at in their character and what we want to take from their life. So Aquila was a Jew, 
That's, uh, that seems pretty clear. He was born in Pontus, a city that was near the Black Sea, which I'm sure you are all really curious about. Uh, he was, and as a Jew, uh, as a young man, he would have learned a trade, as was very common. I mean, even Jesus, right? We know was, he learned carpentry as a trade. This was very common um, almost all, in almost all cases. And his trade was tent making. So he would have learned this from very young. Then he, at some point, moved to Rome. Uh, now, Priscilla was likely from Rome. There's a lot of speculation that we have to kind of maybe just fig- think what it could have been. Um, maybe he knew her from before, but it seems likely that she was from Rome, considering her name, and uh, that um, from where he came from, it says that they came from Rome together. Again, speculation, but at any rate, um, they met at some point, maybe through his career, through his training, or maybe just simply by chance. We don't really know uh, exactly how they met, but we can be sure that their relationship was something solid. It had this kind of firm foundation, it seems almost from the beginning. Uh, she most likely was from a higher class. Um, a couple things, her name kind of points to that, but also uh, the fact that she is named first a few times. Not every time, but a few times she's named first uh, when mentioned, and that could be a class thing is one option. Uh, but she probably didn't learn tent making uh, growing up. Uh, that probably wasn't something that she grew up knowing. But we know that they both were tent makers. This was something that even from the beginning of the relationship, they come in together, they're unified in it, and it's something that they are building, building up their business, building up their career together. And it's safe to assume that, again, that's not something that she would have maybe grown up with, so it's something that she did with him, that kind of was united with her husband. And I just want to point that to say that it, it's clear that they loved each other. Not every, not every couple can, can work together full time, um, I would imagine. <laughs> and so it's just really cool to see that they really loved each other, that they were able to spend all their time together, and it seems that it went well. Then in 49 AD, Emperor Claudius expels all the Jews from the city of Rome. This is something that's fairly well documented. Uh, So this would have been including Aquila and Priscilla, although we don't actually know for sure if Priscilla was even Jewish. Uh, It just leaves that out. Some people might say it was implied. Others would say it's implied that she isn't. There's a lot of speculation we have to make uh, with them. But either way, they were expelled from Rome during that time. And they're forced to leave their homes, to leave their friends, their family. And from there, they went to Corinth and set up shop there as tent makers. And it was there that they met Paul as he came to Corinth. Now, they immediately connected with Paul. In fact, uh, it, it feels like the way that Paul describes them or kind of mentions them, and especially so frequently, that uh, he was really fond of them that he really grew close to them. And they certainly shared a lot in common, uh, being both Jews and, and, and both Christian Jews. Uh, and it could have been that actually Paul was the one who led them to Christ. We don't know. But at any rate, he was definitely, they were Jews and Christian Jews together. And they shared the same profession as tent makers. That was, what, that was also what Paul learned growing up as a young Jewish boy. That was something that he kind of pursued from the beginning. And as we'll see, they really grow together in their passion, their shared passion 
for sharing the gospel and the spreading of the good news of Christ. And Paul stays with them for in their house, helping them with tent making, helping them with their business while he's also out preaching during the day uh, for at least 18 months. We know that from Acts 18.11, which I won't read. It just basically shows that they, he was definitely there for at least 18 months, uh, although it may have been even longer than that. Uh, there's a mention that he uh, stayed longer, but it's unclear if it's referring to this or in addition to this. But anyways, definitely was with them for 18 months, which is quite a while. What a time that might have been. Can you imagine? Priscilla and Aquila spent 18 months living and working with the Apostle Paul. We have a lot of writing from Apostle Paul. I can only imagine how the conversations must have been going. I would imagine quite intense at moments. But definitely we can say with certainty that it must have had a huge influence on their character, on their understanding of the gospel. I can just kind of picture them, you know, just in the evening sitting around, weaving together, sewing, I don't know, building tents. I don't have a lot of expertise in tent making. And as they did, they would have just probably opened into some organic discussion about what Paul had maybe some debates that Paul had got had gotten into that day in the synagogues as he was preaching Christ. Maybe just talked about questions that they had, wrestled with things, wrestled with truths. Talked about Jesus and the gospel with the apostle Paul for 18 months. And as I mentioned, it was clear that he was very fond of this time. He was, he was quite uh, close. He grew very close with them during that time. And we can also safely assume that they, uh, they supported Paul during that time. So he helped out, but he was obviously there to spread the gospel. And they saw that. They knew what he had been called to do. And they supported him, giving him a place to stay, feeding him for that 18 months and after, these, after this time, Paul left there, or he felt it was time to move on, led by the Spirit, to go to Ephesus. And we know that from Acts 18, 18. And Priscilla and Aquila had done an enormous amount to support him, to help him, to encourage him, to, to kind of be that backbone for him as he was doing ministry there uh, in Ephesus and owning their own business they would have had a, a, a really hard time to get up and leave. Because if you've ever owned a business or known someone who's owned a business, my parents owned their own business growing up, and they, it, you have to kind of build a foundation to put in roots. It takes time. You have to build up a customer base. And so it would have been difficult, and yet they seemingly without hesitation or persuasion, they packed up everything. They pack up their whole life to follow Paul when he leaves. It's kind of this really powerful moment. And it's, just to be clear, it's, I think we can, we can safely assume that they were led by the Lord. They were led by the Spirit. They definitely had maybe taken time to pray about this, and being filled with the Holy Spirit themselves, they knew this is what God is calling me to do. We are called to follow Paul in this situation. And so they went, they set up shop as tent makers, but that's not all their duty anymore. After that time with Paul, something has changed. And so they also start a house church and continue spreading the gospel that they had received from their time with Paul, starting their own ministry. And I can feel confident to say that they, they were led by God when they went to Ephesus that first time because when Paul leaves there again, so when they went from Corinth to Ephesus, uh, 
it, Paul then leaves Ephesus, they stay, and they keep building in their roots in that place for a time. And so it wasn't just a matter of, we'll just go wherever Paul goes. They clearly were being led by the Spirit at this time. And so they stay there and continue to serve, building up their community, using what God had provided for them, what God had given them in their careers to offer a place for God's chosen people, for God's church to create a space for people to meet. And at some point, the edict from Claudius uh, was no longer in effect, and so they returned to Rome. Maybe, I, I would believe again, led by the Spirit, they felt that's where we want to go. Maybe it's just because it was their home. But they went back to Rome. We know this from what we read today. Uh, in Romans 16, 5, it says, Greet also the church that meets in their house. And he was obviously writing to Rome. So they were there in Rome at that time, setting up shop again, continuing in ministry. And it's unclear exactly how long that they were there. Uh, but when Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, Paul was writing from Rome, and they're obviously not there. He's writing to, Paul, uh, to Timothy, who's in Ephesus again. So they've, and he again extends a greeting. Don't forget, hey, greet Priscilla and Aquila. But at that time, he doesn't mention a church. He doesn't mention a church. And this would have maybe been around the time of the, of the fires of Rome or shortly after that when Nero uh, had supposedly uh, burned or was behind the burning of the city of Rome just didn't like it, he wanted to rebuild it, so he just had it burned down and blamed it on the Christians. And so it could, be, it could have been during that time that they lost everything that they owned, lost their home, lost their business, lost their career. And so then they were forced to leave and went back to Ephesus. And at some point, we don't know exactly the details, there's just a church tradition that tells us that they were, that the persecution of Nero continued to spread, eventually reaching them where they were, most likely in Ephesus, where they were taken outside of the city and beheaded together. That's the story. Now you know. Now you've been introduced to our humans for today. And that's the overview of their lives. Hopefully you kind of have just somewhat of a grasp. And now I want to go in a little bit deeper, look a little bit closer at their character that we see in the example that they set through that story that we just went through. Specifically, three qualities of their character that best equipped them for ministry. Three qualities of their character that best equipped them for ministry. And that's going to be kind of our three points for the day. So the first thing I want to look at, or I'll just tell you all three first. So we're going to be looking at that they are workers, that they are risk takers, and that they are movers. And when I say movers, I don't mean in like some churchy version of let's be movers. I'm talking about physical movers, as in they physically were willing to move to new locations. So workers, risk takers, and movers. So the first thing we want to look at is that they were workers. They are workers. Romans 16, 3, again. So greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. My co-workers in Christ Jesus. Now, many of you may be seeking a particular career or field, and so you can kind of grasp this concept. Priscilla and Aquila are no different. They're tent makers. They're in the tent making business. But they were first and foremost co-workers with Paul and with all the believers in Christ Jesus. They were workers first and foremost in Christ Jesus. And this is not simply referring to the things that they did, their house church or their support of Paul and his ministry, whether financially or otherwise. 
though those are definitely a part of it, which we'll see, they were workers in Christ in all that they did. They were workers in Christ in all that they did, every area of their life. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, whatever area of your life, do it all for the Lord. Doing it, doing all that we do, doing all that we do in Christ means that everything was connected. Everything is connected because it's all connected to what our main focus is and who we're doing it for, which is Jesus. Meaning that there's no separation. There's no separation. When we do everything for Christ, there's no separation between our work life, our home life, and our church life. And we see that very clear with Priscilla and Aquila. When, when we're doing all that we do for Christ and His glory, no matter what area of our lives we're talking about and what area of a life we're in, this will lead to a beautiful overlap between all the areas of our life as a means to serve Jesus best. As a means to serve Him best. This kind of mentality to be a work, to do work, to be a worker in Christ allows us to be best used by God. Because we're always ready, we're always looking for the opportunities to serve Him, to apply ourselves to what He might want to do through us. So let's look at the two examples, I think, that we see clearly with Priscilla and Aquila. There might be more. The first is their house church. Their house church. Now, there was sig there's significant archaeological evidence that shows that during that time period, a lot of houses were kind of restructured, reformed, modified to support a larger gathering of people, which is thought to be a lot to do with the churches that were being planted everywhere, were popping up all over, because it wasn't really a, a recognized religion at the time. And so having, building a big church, a big synagogue, or meeting in a big cinema wasn't really an option. And so they had to do it in churches or make church into houses. And so they wanted to make as many people as they could. And so they would modify the house. And of course, to do that, it would take money. It took money to do that. In fact, almost, uh, and we can kind of note that a lot of the women, actually all the women mentioned uh, in regards to ministry in the New Testament were wealthy, were generally wealthy or higher class uh, in regards to what, and in, yeah, into their, in regards to their living. And we can be pretty, pretty safely assume that Priscilla and Aquila were at the very least, they weren't poor, right? They had a career, they had a means of income, and they at least had enough to afford a house, potentially a house that they were able to modify, make larger, maybe enough for 50, 60, 70 people. It's probably, well, not even that here. Can you imagine if we were in a house, though? It would be a little bit more cozy. Have to, like, really get to know each other a bit better, not be so spread out. So here we see their work life, their career, supplying the means for their ministry for God. This overlap I've been talking about. This in turn changed their home life. They had an open door policy. They, they were always letting people into their home, making their home a space for God to use. Being good stewards of what God had blessed them with for the furthering of God's church the growing of God's people. 
And this was only, only possible because they did all that they did as workers in Christ. They did everything that they did as workers in Christ. Today, people often want to draw lines in the sand, right? We, actually, more like we want to build walls, you know, walls around the different areas of our life. This is my work life. This is my study life. And here's church over here. They cannot mix, though. I don't want them to overlap. I don't want them to mix in with each other. Sure, I'll come to church on Sunday, but Saturday's for me. My workplace, my career is my thing, and I save my Christianity for the weekend. There's nothing wrong, of course, with spending money on things that you want or having rest days. So, you know, don't come to me after. Hey, the Bible says you need to rest. I'm not talking about rest days. I'm not talking about any of that. But we need to have this, this, this kind of worldview change where we understand that all those things, everything we have, all those things, all those great gifts, your career, your money, your job, everything, your studies, all that you have comes to you from and by the grace of God. It's a gift from Him. We need to reevaluate our perspective. And again, it's okay to have all these things, but I would ask you to just question yourself, for yourself. What's your aim? What's your aim when you want to separate things, when you want to restrict kind of what's going on in different areas of your life into these different bubbles? Because on the other end of the spectrum, the more that we separate these sections of our life, the less God is able to use us completely. If you're not willing to give God every area of your life, you're going to restrict how God can use you. But when we give God every area, every area of our life, we see that everything is intertwined in how he uses us. And all things are capable to be used for his glory. So that we can say, I'm, maybe you say, well, I'm not, I'm not really ready for that. I'm not really ready to surrender every area of my life. I would say, well, it's okay, but again, what's your aim, though? What's your aim? Is your aim to continue to try to surrender more of your life, or have you just locked with lock and key certain areas of your life that you never want to give to Christ, you never want to give to Him? Is Jesus just this kind of side note in your life that makes you feel good sometimes about when you, the good things that you like, what He says, and on the other things you want to just kind of push Him over to the side and maybe hopefully he's there when I when I die because I definitely want to use him to get into heaven but the rest of my life I want to keep for myself these things I want to keep for myself we want to make Christ our goal we want to make him our aim we want him to be enough to be all that we need in this life or at least make that the aim that we're going for so breaking away from a comfortable life, they could have just used the money that they made for themselves. Breaking away from a comfortable life or that pursuit, Priscilla and Aquila didn't live to get all that they could out of their career, out of their position, out of their location. Instead, they sought always to find ways to serve God and to see the gospel spread wherever they were. And through whatever they were doing and whatever area of life that applied to. And the second example we see with this is in Priscilla and Aquila's mentoring of Apollos. I'll go through 
Apollo, or sorry, or I'll read it the where it's found, Acts 18, Acts 18, 24 through 26. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge in, of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to preach boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So being from being an Alexandrian, that just meant he was like that was like the center point of uh, academia at the time. That was the place where the most highly educated came from. And he certainly knew about Jesus, right? He wasn't teaching anything false. He wasn't teaching anything wrong, but he wasn't teaching the whole truth. And we don't know exactly what that meant. Maybe it could be that he hadn't heard fully about the, the pen, uh, what happened at Pentecost and uh, just the baptism that came after that, uh, or maybe the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or it could be just the idea that we need to be baptized in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. But he didn't quite have the whole picture. And Priscilla and, Aqu- and Aquila, remember, they had spent a lot of time in deep discussion and conversation with the Apostle Paul himself. So they had an extensive understanding of the gospel truth of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and the importance of baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And being workers in Christ in all that they did also meant that they were humble in their hearts. It wasn't about them. It wasn't always about pushing their agenda or pushing themselves up, but looking for opportunities to use their resources to build others up, to lift up others above themselves. They didn't want to make it about themselves. They didn't call him out publicly. Hey, wait a minute. You're not quite right, man. You're missing some things. They call him to their home. They open up their home. Again, this overlap. It wasn't like, well, if this is my space, we can meet at Starbucks, but, you know, I'm not inviting you to my house. Everything overlapped. Everything was about God. Everything was used for his glory. Everything that they had. And it wasn't about themselves but about seeing the gospel being spread, how God wanted to spread it. And here was a man, Apollos was a great speaker, highly educated, eloquent in the way he taught. And they sought to lift him up as best they could. It's an encouragement for me of the value of small groups, right? And just how good it is to be in places where we can mentor and teach and train and kind of challenge each other on a real kind of one-on-one basis, which is just only possible in small groups, I think. So if you're not in a small group, please sign up uh, right on, the c- on one of the welcome cards. We want to be growing our small group community here. It's so, so important. So Priscilla and Aquila are workers in Christ Jesus in every area of their life. But they're not just workers, they're risk takers. They're risk takers. Romans 16, 14, Paul says, they risked their lives for me. They risked their lives for me. Now, Paul certainly had many occasions that he could have been talking about. One that comes to mind is probably maybe in, in uh, Ephesus. He was kind of preaching about uh, preaching Christianity. And uh, the people who made idols to the goddess there were like getting kind of angry. They were losing money. And they're like, this is, if Christianity keeps going, people are not going to be buying our merchandise anymore. So they start a riot and try to murder Paul. It could have been there. That's definitely likely. They probably would have been together or in that same area around that same time. But 
I mean, Paul has a lot of situations where he almost died. But we can be 100% certain that he feels he owes them his life. He is confident that he owes them his life. And we get the impression that they, it wasn't something that they really had to th- think about. Or they immediately were willing to throw down their lives. Not for Paul's sake. Not because they really liked Paul. But for the gospel. That the gospel that Paul was called to preach had to continue. They could see what Paul is talking about when he says in Philippians, to live is Christ, to die is gain. A truth, when fully grasped, produces a view that knows I belong to Christ. And his work on this earth and what he's trying to accomplish is more important than my very life. And I know that to die just means I get to go and be with the one I love. Nothing in this world, nothing in this world can take that away from me. Not even if they take my own life. So Priscilla and Aquila understood this. And they were willing to risk everything for the sake of the gospel. Are we risk takers today? Are we willing to risk for the sake of Christ? Now, you don't need to throw yourself in front of a bus to be a good Christian. Don't misunderstand me. But to the extent that you're willing to sacrifice, to risk yourself, you will be better equipped to be used by God. And when we talk about risk, man, let's be real. We're talking about risking maybe reputation, how people look at you, how you're seen. We're talking about career, putting, I mean, if, you, if the people you work with know, if your bosses know that you are a Christian and they know that you believe in what the Bible says, is it going to affect your career? Are you willing to risk that? Sometimes it's risking relationships, friendships with people that aren't followers of Christ to say, listen, I, I care about you and I want you to know the truth that I've received. And sometimes it's just risking our time, our money, our security. There's a lot of ways that we can take risks for Christ. And Christ gave everything for our salvation. He gave up everything for you. And as we seek to follow him and to belong to him and to be like him, we need to be willing to risk for him. But they weren't just workers in Christ. They weren't just risk takers. They are movers. Again, literal movers. As I pointed out, we went through the overview of their life. They moved quite a lot. Sometimes they moved because they absolutely had to. They were forced out of their home at least once, possibly more than one occasion. So they had been forced out as refugees. And at other times, they left because out of choice, because they felt the Holy Spirit had led them to move or to go into a new place, to, to start a new church there or whatever it might be. But Either way, it was really difficult, especially at that time. It's hard to move now, but it really was a hard thing to move, to get up, to take everything with you, and to set up roots in a new place. But they were willing to. Now, I can speak a little bit from experience here. I'm not native to Germany. And I know that, yeah, God's, God called me here. It was clear. He called me away from friends and family that I grew up in, away from my home, to be a co-worker with Christ, in Christ, to be a risk taker for the kingdom and to make a new home here. And it was challenging, I can tell you. 
and what God has for me next in the future, I can only wait and trust him. I would imagine that several times when God had moved Priscilla and Aquila, they thought, yeah, this is maybe this is where we're going to be for the next 30 years. And then something happened. They had to move on to a new place. Who knows what God might have for you next? We need to be ready to move as Priscilla and Aquila were, knowing that no matter where we go, Jesus is with us. As he says in Matthew 28, 20, I won't read it, just it's when he gives the, the great commission that we're all called to, to answer. He says, I will be with you to the end of the age. We'll never, we're never alone. We're never without him. And no matter where God puts you or where God leads you or where God forces you to go, sometimes we're, we're, our, our moving or our kind of moving around is out of our control. It's just this is where we have to go. A lot of you are finishing your studies, and you're not sure where you're going to end up job-wise, and it might, just be, it might not be your favorite or first choice. But no matter where we go, we are always able to find opportunities to be used by God. And we can look at what Joshua in Joshua 1.9 God says, I, have I not commanded you? So he's behind it. I've sent you. I've put, I'm the one who am, am the force behind where you are, where you're going. And he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's as true as it was for the Israelites back then as it is for us today. Being a mover is not necessarily for everyone at every season of your life. But if you do have it on your heart, that maybe that is something that God's been kind of challenging you, kind of just growing in your heart, you might be needing to move somewhere. I encourage you to not just put it aside, not just kind of, oh, I don't want to think about that, but to continue to seek God and his wisdom and what that really means, what God might be calling you to do. Most of us will at times have just seasons where we need to stay we need to be where we are and no matter where we are right we need to be where we are and, and build up roots build up the ministry find opportunities to be used by God wherever we are and that sometimes might be followed sometimes surprisingly out of nowhere where God is calling us to move whether it's a move to a new job Maybe a move to a new flat just across town, or maybe a move to a third world country to build churches, or to translate a, the Bible into a new language. It's still not in all languages. Who knows what God might be calling, to you, calling you to do. And in conclusion, I want to encourage you to never underestimate the power you can have when you abandon yourself. And you truly are willing to live these character traits that we see with Priscilla and Aquila. To be a worker in Christ. Not drawing lines in your life. Not building walls around certain areas. But doing all that you can. Doing everything that you do as unto the Lord. To be a risk taker. Willing to risk life, pride, career, money. For the greater prize of Christ being glorified in you and through you, and to be a mover, willing to say with a whole heart, God, here I am, send me. Where do you want me to go? What can I do for you? And a last look at Priscilla and Aquila to see their, the impact that they really had. Romans 16, 3 through 4 again. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, 
but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Paul makes it absolutely clear that not only he, but all the churches, all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful. What does that mean? Well, if it had not been for these two and their willingness to risk, to work, and to move for the sake of the gospel, maybe we wouldn't have had some of Paul's greatest letters. And we wouldn't have even the book of Romans. Maybe we wouldn't have had Apollos being the great speaker that he was without their mentor. In Acts 18, one of the verses we read, I'm reading a different version, I like this, because it says, Paul found a certain Jew named Aquila. And I wonder in that moment if he really knew the full potential of what he had found. What he had stumbled across when he met Aquila and Priscilla for the first time. Because I believe that some of you here today, some of you maybe watching this later, may be the next find. Maybe you don't know it, maybe you don't see it, maybe you don't believe it, but you might be the next find that God is planning to use to form the future of the church. The church needs people who are willing to live this way, to live with these character traits, willing to work, willing to risk, willing to move, seeing the greater value of Christ in all areas of their life. And the church needs lay workers like Priscilla and Aquila who never, they're never, they never sought to be in the forefront, never sought to have their name recognized, never sought to build some foundation for themselves. But they laid a great foundation for what God wanted to do in the founding and building of his church that leads all the way to what we are today. No great house can stand without a solid foundation. God needs people that are willing to say, I will do all that I can to see the gospel growing, whether through me or through others. They planted churches. They trained Apollos, who went on, again, to be one of the greatest evangelists of the early church. In fact, it was a big debate. You know, most people were like, he speaks way better than Paul. We should just listen to him. <laughs> he spoke so well and moved founded so many churches that they were the foundation for that and we have no writings of them we have very little detail about their life overall just these glimpses but what we do have is that the bible itself the foundation for our christian world view today we owe a little bit to them and their willingness to lay down themselves had it not been for Priscilla and Aquila and their complete devotion to the work of the Lord in every area of their lives let's pray father I thank you so much for your word I thank you so much for the example of these two and I pray that for those here today that need to be reminded to live these character traits out that this would sit deep in their hearts and I pray father that those who may be called to go, to move, would not put it aside, but would be challenged to take that step, trusting ultimately and completely in you. In Jesus' name, amen.